everything I've been told, the coaching staff and everyone involved in the offense believed in Anthony McFarland. Want to know who still doesn't all the way believe in Anthony McFarland? Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into hockey and or baseball, I also offer daily shots of Penguins and Pirates, the other two teams in town that I cover, in the same spot that you found this. I had a chance to spend some good time with McFarland after the game the other night in Tampa when he scored on a 14-yard touchdown going around right end, just letting the Jets fly. No nonsense, no side-to-side, none of all that stuff he's been doing for the better part of his NFL career that neutralized the skill set that had everyone so excited about him when he came out of Maryland. All he did at Maryland was run forward, hard, fast, see grass, hit grass. But he came into the NFL and just seemed, for whatever reason, to adopt a different approach. Well, this training camp, he's been a different player with a very different expectation as a result as to what his contribution is going to be. He's lined up at wide receiver. He's been in the backfield, but doing a lot of different things, not just catching passes, running, as you saw on that. TD is kind of a change of pace back. Not that he and Jalen Warren are all that different, but he and Najee Harris certainly are. And there's just been a role that's been carved for McFarland by Matt Canada, Glenn Thomas, and the offensive staff. And it's been it's been fun. It's been one of the highlights of camp. Here's some of the talk McFarland and I had. And this was in the locker room at Raymond James Stadium. Anthony McFarland, Pittsburgh Steelers. How do you feel your camp led into this performance that you had tonight? I mean, I feel like my camp been a grind, man. Like, uh, the way I think about it, I don't, I don't get too high, I don't get too low. I just keep my head down and grind. So, I don't know. I feel like it's overall, it's, it's been good, man. Being around uh, my teammates, just grinding. On your touchdown, uh, you had some perfect blocks in front of you. Zach Gentry, Darnell Washington, Gunner was on the right side. Almost like a right tackle over there. How much did that mean to you? I mean a lot, man. You, it, it starts with them. Like, you know, everybody just sees a guy scoring touchdown, but they don't see the guys who made the blocks and set it up to get me to the end zone. So that's why I always, after every touchdown, just go to the O-line and, and the guys who blocking up front and just thank them. Uh, ask you a question that, that might be a little bit touchy, but when you, we've seen you. We know what your speed is. When we see you run for a touchdown like that, it's no BS, no hesitation, no nothing. Is that the best version of you? Um, I mean, I, I don't like to think so. I don't know, man. I just uh, I try to be decisive, you know, make one cut or just, you know, just go. Yeah, he didn't want it. He didn't want any part of being anointed anything. And I... Got to tell you, I I respect that. He didn't want to celebrate the 14-yard touchdown. He did, as you heard, want to go along with me in giving a fair amount of credit out to Darnell Washington, Zach Gentry, and really Gunnar Olszewski for sealing that edge for him. Gunnar with a big block. But then he acknowledged, this is accurate. 
he has to go right back on the field in Latrobe and continue to prove himself day after day after day. Not because you or I are skeptical about him and not because you or I might have wished they brought back Benny Snell, if only because Benny was really good on special teams, better than McFarland's going to be, incidentally. But because the head coach and the people running the operation need to see it day after day after day. So when they see the one run, there's a little bit of validation. And McFarland did get a little bit of a pat on the back from Tomlin after that game. Tomlin saying that he was happy to see Ant Mac, that's what they call him, put the ball in the end zone. But he's got to bring more. And if he does, and I'm not going to take this too far, I promise. But if he does, and he adds to the Steelers' offense yet another speed element, and from there, you're taking these deep shots to Calvin Austin the way Mason Rudolph successfully did in the second half the other night, you're bringing into this offensive – what's the word I'm looking for here? I was about to say rhythm. It's not rhythm. It's more of a feel. You're bringing into this offensive feel the threat of taking it to the house. Do you remember the last time that you had the feel that this offense or any of the Steelers' offenses over recent years came with that threat? No, of course not. And a massive part of the reason for that, among others, there were many, was that they just didn't have anybody who could move like this. They didn't have anybody who... Did you see Austin blow past that dude on the 69-yard touchdown? The guy was facing Austin, and then he was turning around and watching Austin go. And then as you see Austin starting to move under this ball, which Mason really smartly, by the way, put more toward the inside of the field because it's it's easier always for the receiver to come curling back into it. And Austin does this. He looked like he slowed down. He didn't, but he looked like he did. Between that and the very, very, very simple touchdown that McFarland scored, you saw a couple of plays that no coordinator anywhere was going to be able to script up in 2022 because Austin missed the whole year and McFarland wasn't doing anything like this in any phase of team activities. And remember, these guys are just kind of the side weapons. You saw the main weapons on that first drive. When we come back, J1Q. Luxembourg, Garbett, Kelly, and George, LGKG, is a personal injury law firm in Western Pennsylvania that represents people hurt in car accidents or who need help with workers' comp or medical malpractice. When the attorneys at LGKG make you a promise, they keep it. They've been keeping promises in our region for over 80 years. LGKG's been AV rated, the highest rating a law firm can receive, and They've been designated super lawyers. That's actually a thing for over 15 years. It's a rare combination. LGKG has offices in Cranberry, Newcastle, Beaver Falls, Butler, and Elwood City. Learn more about them by visiting lgkg.com or by calling 
5454. LGKG. Today's J1Q comes from Tammy, who says, Hey, DK, this was a great showing for the Steelers in the first preseason game. I couldn't help but notice the difference in how Broderick Jones is being handled in his rookie preseason versus how Kendrick Green was handled in his. Even though he was a third-round pick, Green was handed the starting center job and played hardly at all in the preseason games. Meanwhile, Jones is a first-round pick, and he was out there with a second and third stringers virtually the entire game. Is this simply a case of Mike Tomlin learning a lesson, even though he'd likely never say that? Well, Tammy, you're right about that very last part. That's not something that he'd address. You could ask him a question about something that happened two, three years ago, and the only answer you're going to get is, that was two, three years ago. We're on our journey right now. It's a term he'll use to get out of those types of questions. Our journey is now. That sort of thing. But to me, it couldn't be clearer what happened. And I'm going to remind everybody, because you're the ones that are kind enough to press play on this program every day. Back then, I was the only one bringing up this subject. I was the only one pointing out how weird it was that Green was handed Marquise Pouncey's 53. Since then, you've even heard former players talk about it. And I was the only one wondering why in the world you would take this, like you said, third rounder, a guy that wasn't really even much of a center in college and just take him out of the game after a couple series. Tammy, it wasn't even a quarter. It was a couple series. Tomlin just decided, and this is going to sound to those of you who've been with me for a long time like a repeat of a three-year-old show, but Tomlin just decided that this guy was going to be his pounce. He couldn't handle living without pounce. So he just decided to manufacture one, apparently in his head, because nobody who watched Green at any stage of that summer looked at him and thought, Oh, yeah, here's your starting center. <laughs> now, it was a different time. That also has to be brought up. The offensive line had just pretty much walked out the door en masse. And it was going to be a challenge for Kevin Colbert and his staff and everybody to try to replace people. So this was a lot of hoping, I think, on Tomlin's part. Whereas, and I did say this on a show here last week, I felt that Jones was going to see a lot of snaps through the preseason because he needs them, just like Green did back then. And he has to beat somebody out, which Green didn't have to do. So is it a case, because I can try to answer it even though he never would, of Tomlin you know, learning his lesson, or is it a case of just being a different set of circumstances, or is it some combination of both? I'm going to lean with it being some combination of both. There's no way you could watch Jones in training camp, in these regular old practices at Latrobe, and think to yourself, yeah, this guy's ready for the 49ers, like right now. 
He needs the snaps. He needs the practice reps. He's getting those. That's to Tomlin's credit. Now, (laughs) I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. Going to do another one of these tomorrow, which, by the way, is when the Steelers are going to be back to work. They're off today in Latrobe. I'll be out at St. Vincent College covering that for DK Pittsburgh Sports.